Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Be sure to go to HabsUnfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways, all the great sponsors, all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 261. I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello from Ottawa. It's about time. You're all moved in. All moved in. I brought all my stuff, which was already here, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now I'm here. A little lonely me. All by myself. Yeah. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's Ottawa. I mean, who doesn't want to be in Ottawa except for everyone in Ottawa? Exactly. I have a truck, so I'm supposed to be here around this time. Now, when you got the truck, did it come with the standard truck nuts, uh, F Trudeau sticker and uh, upside down flag? No, I didn't buy it in Alberta, so I didn't get all that. Fair, fair. But now you can just mix in with the convoy when it shows up. Yeah, I'm like, oh, yes! I just want to get through. <laughs> just trying to go to work, you know, a job. You guys remember what those are? Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> eh. uh, but uh, for for our listeners, Matt, want, uh, Matt Smith, our other co-host, who's in Kuwait on deployment, wants to pass on to everyone uh, a hearty hello, and he misses you all. He wants to be at the draft in July to see everyone, but the chances of that happening are very, very slim. So he apologizes. So you get us instead. Ha ha. And we apologize for that. Well, the good news is when you do meet, meet up with us at the draft party at McLean's on the Saturday after the draft, you're at a bar so you can drink enough to forget you met us. That's what I do. And I live with me. That explains a lot. So much. So because of how busy we have been with Treg moving and Matt deployed and myself on uh, career courses uh, with the Navy, we've had a bit of a gap between episodes, but we're back now. We're going to get back into our rhythm of one a week. And today's episode, we're going to talk about a bunch of different items. We're going to talk about um, 
the uh, the Leskinen signing, Suzuki, Weber, uh, Anderson, and Logan Mayu. So I want to start with Mayu. So Logan Mayu, it was announced he is staying in Montreal to rehab his shoulder after surgery and to see how he interacts with the other prospects and draft picks at rookie camp and whatnot to see if he can melt and kind of fit in and how he's progressed. I think it's a good idea to try. Well, according to all the uh, doctors and that, that he's been working with uh, the ones from Kingston and the ones that the Montreal had him working with, they all had positive things to say about him, about his progress, about, you know, what he's been doing. He's, 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 he's agreeing and meeting all the, requirements that have been uh, put in front of them uh but uh, Kent Hughes keeps saying you know it's not really a uh, he says it's not a uh, development thing or a the way he plays it's a uh, they want to see how he is on a personal level and make sure yeah. he's come overcome his demons and that he's he said that twice although I do think it is a little bit of a, a playing thing because let's face it he's barely played hockey the past two seasons so you can't just, I mean, his first nine games, I think he had nine points with uh, Kingston last year, and then he kind of faded off a bit and hurt his shoulder. And then with that London, was the season. Yeah. Well, with London, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and that was the season. Um, and then he only played 13 games in Sweden the year before. So, you know, he's only had less than 30 games under his belt over the past two years. Um, and this is a good way for them to slow the process and still see how he does in the, I mean, I don't expect Logan Mayu to be playing for Laval next year, but uh, you know, I do expect as if this goes well, I do expect uh, some kind of contract to come his way within uh, probably the end of next season. Probably the way I see this, um, this, this is going to give the Canadians all the the legs to stand on to say that they've done everything. They've put him through these programs. They've tried him out. They tested him out. So that if he doesn't get a contract before the, uh, the, uh, the end of next season, they will get their compensatory pick and they can say, well, we did everything we could. Yeah. But, and at the same time, this is due diligence for them before they even bother to offer a contract. Yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, and it gives them a, you know, in the public eye, I guess they sat there and said, listen, we put them all through these stages. We just didn't do this. We just didn't forget about what happened. We made sure that this guy was going to progress and uh, um, become, I mean, it, it, if anything, it's going to be a reclamation project is how they're going to spin it. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, similar to the uh, Andrew Shaw with the homophobic slur thing. Um, I mean, it's on a bigger scale, I think, than that, but I guess. I agree. Yeah, you, it's bigger than that, but it's yeah, the same, but, but same, same idea, same idea, same process. Um, just Logan has a lot more to overcome and a lot more to prove than what uh, Andrew Andrew Shaw had to do, um, yeah. and a lot more maturity. I mean, Andrew Shaw was an adult, whereas Logan Mayu, you know, is still only eighteen. I think eighteen, nineteen. He's eighteen now. He He's was seventeen now. when he did all this dumb Correct. shit. Um, and I mean, don't get me wrong. He knew what he did. He knew it was wrong, but he still did it. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you're, so we'll you're say, 17 years old. You, you know. You, you know. Yeah. Uh, especially today's age. 
today now you know nowadays yeah um so and i i think it's good for logan i think it's good for the canadians and uh i mean he's a right-handed defenseman from what we've seen he's a very good right-handed defenseman um and montreal canadians need right-handed defensemen so uh We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. So if he if he shows that he is uh, he's improved on the human level that they're looking for, they'll give him the year to show that he can do it on the ice as well. Yeah. Then they'll think about offering the contract. Yeah. Right now, I say they're probably not going to, and they'll go for that compensatory second round pick. But that could change. See, I, I think they're going to see how his season goes with London, and then because next season. With Weber's, oh, we'll get into that later. With yeah, a certain contract later. off the books, uh, they're going to have a lot of money left over next. Uh, they're going to have and they're going to have extra spaces to sign people. So, if they do sign them, it won't be until uh, the end of the season. I agree. I agree on that. Once he shows everything that they need to see from him, then they'll do an offer. Until then, yeah. they're just going to hold on to that compensatory second round pick. Yeah. All right. Moving on from that to Leskinen. Otto Leskinen signed with the Canadians. He's returned to Montreal on a two-way deal. Uh, League minimum at the NHL level, 300K at the AHL level. And that is essentially where I believe they want him to be, is at the AHL level. Uh, At first, I was like, I don't understand the signing because they are heavily deep on left-handed defensemen in the NHL and the AHL, even with Ouellette and Belpedo probably coming off the books uh, next season. Uh, but the more I look at it, uh, I see it as a depth move. Um, Leskinen kind of fell out of favor with old management and ended up playing in the KHL slash uh, Swedish league last year, league last year. Did okay. Wasn't spectacular, but wasn't... I mean, just based on the numbers I've seen, I didn't really watch him play, so I can't really say yeah. one way or the other. Um, I just thought it was a surprise, like especially with guys like, I mean, you have Norlander, you have Gooley, you have Jackeye, you have maybe Harris. Uh, you know what I mean? Because we don't know if Harris is going to make the team next year. Fairbrother. Uh, Fairbrother. So you have a lot of left-handed defensemen. Um, I'm not saying that they can't play on the right side, but you have a lot of left-handed defensemen that uh, shoot him in if he doesn't make the Canadians. You, ha- you have a lot of guys that are going to be in that Laval system that are, are left-handed shot. And uh, I just don't see where he fits in, but I'm not running the team. So, well, with, uh, with Niku, Wallet and Belpedio likely gone going into next season, the uh, the blue line is going to be extremely young. Like you mentioned a bunch of guys, yeah. uh, Leskinen and uh, maybe another, maybe Fairbrother, perhaps they they can play on the right wing, the right yeah. side. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you want a little bit of a, a veteran presence because those, those young guys, it's their first year as pros and you don't want to just keep throwing them out there if they're, they're having a hard time. So if you have that, that veteran presence that you can use, you can take the guys out of the lineup into the lineup so they can kind of ease their way into the professional ranks. Um, I think that would be helpful for them, especially in their development. And at the same time, if the Canadians run into a lot of injury troubles like they did last year, instead of grabbing one of these young guys and throwing them to the Wolves when they're playing on an ECHL lineup in the NHL, they're not going to – you can take Leskinen and do that to him. 
yeah. he's going to showcase himself and he that's that's the role he wants whereas the young guys you could you could stunt their development by doing that just look at primo last year well for for sure because primo really showed what he has when he gets regular ice time in uh in laval especially in the playoffs uh but i just and i, I agree all with that like that's another thing i looked into i was like you know what he's going to be the guy that they're going to call up when they need someone to play three or four games here or there uh he's he's expendable so they can bring him up or down and hey they if can he leave showed, him in a press box and and hey if he shows that he can uh have a little bit of success here or there who knows maybe he's a guy they can hey by the way, we want to get rid of this guy, but we got this defenseman here that could be a good seventh, you know, sixth, seventh defenseman for you. We'll throw him in with the deal. I don't know. Um, uh, but yeah, the more I thought about it, the more it, it gives the young guys, it takes pressure off the young guys and, and the situations, not only in for the NHL, but also in Laval so that they're not uh, forced into too quick. Because I mean, Laval's pro. Uh, Gooley's going to go from the WHL to a pro league, uh, whether it's, NHL or AHL, I believe it'll be AHL, but, uh, you know, and same with Jack Eye and anyone else coming through Norlander, who I still think is fading away, but, uh, well, we'll see. Eh. He, 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 he was just okay in the playoffs and he'll get a shot. He'll get a shot. And then, like you said, Harris is involved in that, that mix as well. And I know there's a lot of people are wondering, well, you're going to stunt these young players growth. You're going to block their progression, but you have to look at the long game. Look by the yeah. end of this season, the, tr- the next trade deadline is going to be coming up. And let's be honest, this team is not going to be in the mix for the playoffs. So come trade deadline next year, maybe he wants to move a defenseman, like say an Edmondson for a pretty good return. Yeah. If that happens, less can uh, auto less can be called up. And he can play him if he wants, or he can leave him in a press box and just let him sit there. It doesn't matter to the Canadians in the long term. Now, I know there's a lot of people who think Harris and Gooley are going to make the team off the bat. Harris does have a chance because I thought he played well last year for the Canadians. However, if the Canadians are being honest with the way they want to properly develop their players, then I think doing that, especially with the the gluttony of left-handers they have in the NHL. I mean, you have Romanoff, Edmondson. Uh, I have, I'm having a brain fart. <laughs> um, Romanoff, uh, Schooneman, uh, Harris. Uh, you know, I, I do believe Schooneman or Harris are going to make the Montreal Canadiens, but uh, um, and then on the right side, you have Weidman and Savard and for now, Petrie. But, and uh, Barron. And Barron. And I, I believe Barron's going to make the team too. So yeah, uh, it, it'll be interesting. And and that gives growth for Gooley and Jack Eye, anyone else coming up through the system that needs time to, to develop. Uh, Schooneman can be that guy that goes into the press box uh, and comes out whatever Harris needs a break. Because, um, I mean, let's be honest, Harris is probably going to do what he did last year, play on the third pairing with Weidman or, or whatever. And, uh, I mean, I don't see too many changes except – if Petrie goes, I don't know who's going to replace him, but uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a different story. Yeah, And we don't yeah. know what's going to happen through the summer yeah. either. Like yeah. P- Petrie could stay. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Or, or maybe Hughes decides to trade three defensemen in the off season. Like we just don't know. Like it depends on, uh, he knows who's been calling him. 
So he's prepping himself for all these different eventualities. Oh, he's been getting calls. Oh, he's been getting calls all right. Um, I've called him every day, but he never answers. He's never going to be part of the bicep club if he doesn't answer my if he doesn't answer my call. Did that restraining order kick in yet? Or no, that's still on Bergeron. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's why you moved to LA. Yeah, <laughs> you moving to Ottawa it was just way too close. Yeah, he's um, terrified of that uh, arm wrestling challenge. Before I move on to the next item, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Laval and their playoff run. They um, they had a pretty good go there. And when we do watch what they've done, um, Primo was really good. They were a veteran club that kind of played above their heads a little bit. They were very well coached, but Primo was the linchpin of that whole playoff run. So... In my mind, it uh, looks like Primo kind of quashed some of the, the doubts that we had about his progression to this point. Like, uh, it's not changing the fact that I believe he needs another year or two, but I don't feel like this year was a complete waste either. Uh, no, the playoff uh, run, uh, run for him was pretty much redemption for the kind of... Not that he had a bad season in Laval. He wasn't terrible, but he, he did kind of sort of loses job to Poulin because um, Poulin did start the playoffs when they first began. So, uh, uh, and his up and down with Montreal, I don't think uh, did really well for him, especially when he did get in games in Montreal. He had, I mean, Montreal was a terrible team and he kind of got shell-shocked, I think. So well, yeah, uh, because everybody in front of him was an AHL, ECHL player in the NHL. So it just yeah. made it, it just highlighted it even yeah. more. Uh, but no, he had a great playoff run. He was a big reason why uh, the Rocket uh, went one game from making it to the finals. Um, uh, Pekka, old Habs legend Pekka, helped them, uh, stop them from getting uh, getting closer. Hall um, of Famer and Lindgren. <laughs> who never played. He, he wasn't a starting goalie, so... Uh, yeah. That was weird. They went with whoever the other guy was, uh, Hoser or Hooser, whatever, Hauser, whatever his name is. But uh, yeah, so that was weird. Uh, I guess Linger was still looking for his jock strap at the Bell Center. So yeah. <laughs> but I did like the play of Yolonen and Harvey Pinard. Those two showed that they are, they're right there. I think Yolonen is showing that he's an NHL ready player, and Harvey Pinard, he's right there. Depending on the moves they make this offseason, Montreal, I think that will open the door for Yolonen. I think Yolonen got the is a step ahead of uh, Harvey Pernard because I think yeah. he's more. I think he's more in the plans. Nothing against Harvey Pernard, but I think Yolonen's more in there. He could be a top six winger for us, so we're gonna could be. I think he's could. a third line. I think he's a third line NHL winger, but yeah, like a a better offensive but lesser defensive style of um, Lekkinen. Yes. Yes. I, he has that shot though. He has that shot that could, yeah. you know, some guys might say, let's put him on our second line just to see if we can get that shot away. Um, so I think depending, like I say, depending on the moves, 
that are made this offseason, and I do believe there are going to be more moves. Hughes has hinted at it by saying there's going to be more moves. Uh, there's going to be more moves. So uh, <laughs> massive hint, yeah, right yeah. on the arm. Uh, <laughs> um, so depending on who's moved, uh, could be the door's going to open for either one of them, or at least at least Gilonen. I think Gilonen is just a little bit ahead of Harvey Pernard in the. Uh, uh, but Martel had a great uh, playoffs too. Uh, yeah. Although I don't, I think Martel is one of those career AHL players. I don't see him, uh, him really making an impact or going to the, the NHL, but just but to him throw. Stay, but him staying with Laval next year, hopefully, yeah. that would be very helpful for the young guys oh, that are going to be coming up. For sure. I mean, I was fortunate to be at the playoff game where he scored the four goals. Um, uh, that was against Rochester. Just, Rochester, right. Um so, and it, it was an incredible game. Um, so, yeah, so he's going to be that, uh, uh, he's going to be that uh, career uh, AHL guy, I think, but he's going to be that guy that's going to help the young kids as they come along and, and, and play for the team. And uh, he's really going to provide good leadership and good uh, um, experience for the, uh, for the young guys. Yeah. And those are the types of players that the Canadians really need to start keeping around the organization. You don't need a whole whack load of these guys, but these veteran AHL types that who know their role, who know that they probably aren't going to get a call up, but maybe one game here and there, but for the most part, they just play in Laval and, and, and it helps that Martel's a local as well. So you get guys yeah. like that who are good pros, the young guys come up, they can kind of mentor them. And at each step of their development, they have a leadership cadre that they can emulate. I mean, and, and you have like a lot of young guys coming there. You had uh, Joshua Waugh just signed. He actually got into a couple playoff games. Uh, you got uh, Condotti. Is that how you say Condotta, it? Uh, they just signed as a free agent. Yeah. Uh, he scored a couple goals in the playoffs for Laval. Uh, you have uh, Heskinen, the guy, uh, uh, Neil, uh, or the guy they got from Calgary Heineman. there. Heineman. Uh, he's been injured, so he didn't get a chance to play, but he's yeah. coming in there. You have uh, my shack that's going to be coming in uh, next season. Um, so you have a lot of, again, Laval is going to be a very young team. We said it both the defense, but even their offense is going to be a very yeah. young team next year. Uh, and you're going to need the guys like Martel and Belzeal and all these guys to, to, to bring them along. And, and, and that's kind of what, and even Harvey Pernard at that point will be kind of a, a, a bit of a veteran leader, with yep. Laval, but again, I think he's going to be the guy that's going to bounce back and forth uh, with the NHL due to injuries and stuff like that. Yeah. So, like this, um, this is the I believe this is the crest of that wave that's starting to come in with all those draft picks that the Canadians had over the last few years. Yeah. They're just now starting to get into the pro ranks, and we're starting to see all these prospects kind of wash their way in. Yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how Joshua Waugh progresses as a pro after it's stellar season and in the queue um i like to see where he ends up well more than likely he's gonna be back in the queue next year as an 18 year old he's not old enough to play in the ahl right full time so either make the nhl or the uh, you go back to junior and let's be honest he's better off in junior same as kidney he is and those two by the way Roy and kidney were both invited to team canada's world junior camp this summer for the games in december that's correct yeah so that 
that kind of bodes well for them. It shows that they've progressed well and that now that they're they're in Canada's hmm. sights. Actually, Joshua Wall will be 19 before the season starts. He'll be 19 oh, and There you go. Yeah. I just had to look that up. <laughs> but is that, he's still too young to, to move in. Same as Kim. He can't play 19 in the AHL? 20. Oh, he got to be 20. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, speaking of youth in Montreal, Suzuki and Caulfield have decided to stay in Montreal for the summer to do their training. And from all, uh, from everything I've seen, to do kind of like a press junket as well. Uh, yeah. So Suzuki is uh, staying the full summer and I think uh, Caulfield should stay until after the draft, I believe, or August. One of those, he's not staying the full summer, but uh, they're both kind of doing the uh, PR stuff and going around and visiting different places and getting the photoshops. And then especially with Nick Suzuki, uh, he's been doing that all summer and he's agreed to stay all summer continue doing that so that uh, tells me that uh, maybe the organization is leaning towards making Nick Suzuki a bit of the face of the franchise where Price is now on the back burner with his injuries and stuff like that and uh, a certain old man has been uh, moved on from the organization and uh, so to me I I think that I I believe that uh, this kind of is making me believe that Suzuki could be the next captain of the Canadians. Yeah, it does kind of, it, it does have that smell to it. Um, I, I know he's young and I know a lot of people would rather have uh, a stopgap measure of a captain, say like a Joel Edmondson or uh, Brendan Gallagher, but it does kind of, everything that's going on does kind of point to Suzuki being the guy. I mean, I think personally, I like a long-term captain. I don't like this captain for a year, especially with an organization like Montreal who had such historic captains who were their captains forever. Bob Gainey, Jean Beliveau, you know, all these guys who wore the Koivu. sea forever. Koivu. Um, you know, people are kind of, and I remember back in the, the 90s when uh, you had the, every year you had a new captain because you're trading away with your Turgeon and your Keen and your Danfoos. And uh, uh, I, I don't think people, especially in Montreal, really care for the short-term captain. I think they'd rather a long-term guy. Uh, and Nick Suzuki fits the bill. He signed for eight years. Uh, he's young. He's exciting. He's the, him and Caulfield, the two guys everyone talks about. Um, but does he have the leadership skills? That's what you got to look at. Uh, I it mean, it looks to be, I mean, he already has an A on his sweater. He yeah. does have that. He does hold himself as a professional. So yeah. does he need help? Absolutely. If he's given the C, he definitely needs to be surrounded, but it's not unheard of in the NHL to have a 22, 23 year old. No, uh, many teams have done it. Many teams yeah. have, uh, have, you know, uh, and he doesn't need to be the voice in the dressing room uh, because you have Gallagher, you have Joel Edmondson, you have, whoever you know what i mean like yeah that that's just because you have the c doesn't mean you're the go-to guy you're just the uh face of the of the you're just the face of the team at that point you're just the 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 bonafide uh picked leader of the team basically 
Yeah. Um, the guy that would go around to say golf tournaments or charity events. Charity events or, you know, let's spend the summers down. in Montreal. Let's let's hang out by the Bell Center and say hi to people as they go by. You know. Yeah. Uh, Funny and, that. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's what they do. Now, speaking of captains, the reason why there's an opening at captain, Shea Weber's been traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. And he's probably never going to play a game anyway. So eh. I, I think it'd be funny if he actually came back next year and played for the Knights. I think that'd be Oh hilarious. man. The, that would really screw up the Knights cap. Cap. Because <laughs> they, they picked him up so that they can work into the LTIR and they can That's overspend. Correct. So a lot of people got confused with this trade because they're like, why do we trade 7.8 million for five million or just under 5 million? Uh, it was more so that the Montreal Canadians, it's more for next season. It really, if you think about it, it's more so the Montreal Canadians can make moves before the season starts because right now they were $900,000 over the cap uh, with him moving. They're now two and a half or sorry. Yeah. They're now two and a half million under the cap. So they have room to play. They have room and this is another big hint that uh, Hughes isn't done making moves because they're because if he really didn't care about making moves or he wasn't interested, in making, he didn't have to, there was no rush to move Weber's contract. You could put him on LTIR, you get uh, seven point eight million in cap relief, over eighteen million if price goes on LTIR, and you're you're laughing during the season. Um, but why make moves during the season if you're not going to be that very good? At, of a team so well it's for, for him it's going to be selling and yeah. the trade he made to pick up Evgeny Dadanov in return uh Dadanov's on his last season of a five million dollar yeah. a year contract he's a guy who scored 23 goals last year um you could expect him to play a top six role on the power play the whole thing so he, having another 20 goal season is not unheard of for a player like that and because he's in his last season by the trade deadline if he's on pace for that 20 they can flip him for, say, a third-round pick, or yep. if they eat half his cap, maybe a second-round pick. So it's, you know, instead of adding picks to pay someone to take Weber's contract, the Canadians basically got something in return without having to overpay, just so someone could take that contract. Now, the Anaheim Ducks want to make sure that that trade actually <laughs> went through, because they thought they had a deal, too, and it didn't happen. Yeah. But, uh I saw um, that on Twitter. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and that's the key to this trade. It, it, it takes a 7.8, a four year left on 7.8 million and turns it into a one year left on a just under 5 million. So that's, that's, then that's why I say this is more for next year. Cause now you don't have either contract on your books. You're going to have Deno- or, uh, Druin's contract coming off your books. You're going to have Edmondson's contract coming. So you're, you're stopping all those players. Money. Out of all those players, maybe they all get traded for assets in return as well. Some it, it, might, exactly. instead of letting them walk for nothing. Yeah, and if that that's the case, then uh, you could see this mini, this little rebuild that they're doing could fast forward. Which nowadays rebuilds are only three years. Not it's not like it used to be where it was five, ten years. Yeah, um, you could see that because uh, they have all this cap space now. Now, now they can sit there and look at certain players that are going to be free agents next year um, that are pretty good, that are probably going to ask for lots of money that could be French Canadian that are playing in a Uber market Uber that, that are playing in a market that nobody cares about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uber <Uber-do. True. laughs> 
but I think it's more right now this year, they need a little bit more cap space because they've got Rem Pitlick, who's an RFA, and Alexander Romanov, who's a 10.2 C RFA, which means he's an RFA, but nobody can put an offer sheet on him. So that's that's helpful. That's helpful. So they yes. need to sign these guys. So how much do you, are you willing to pay them? Are you going to give them a bridge? Like, well, so there's going to be another trade. Oh, for sure. There, there has to be. I mean, and it, there has been a certain player whose name's been thrown around all year, really. Jeff Petrie? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Jeff Petrie is a different. But there's been won. another name, especially this week, uh, that uh, – for a guy that uh, some people, the analytic people, certainly hate, uh, a oh lot God, of teams don't they ever. A lot of teams certainly want him, which, again, <laughs> weird. You, you got to wonder why these analytical people are not running hockey teams. Um, it's hard to put an analytical spin on what a power forward can bring. Correct. And uh, if you're not wondering who we're talking about, we're talking about Josh Anderson. So Josh Anderson's name's been brought up. As a matter of fact, I just read on Facebook, which is the pivotal uh, place to go when you want hockey information. <laughs> um, some guy said he heard his buddy is in, his buddy is in Montreal who heard from a legit source that uh, Josh Anderson there's going to be a three way deal with Columbus, New Jersey, and Montreal. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. With with Josh Anderson going to, I believe it's New Jersey, and Montreal ends up with Columbus's first pick, and Columbus ends up with New Jersey's first pick. I think that's how the trade And something went. else. I don't Yeah, I think I saw that. Oh, but it was from legit sources that his buddy wow. knows because his buddy's in Montreal right now. So I, I mean, I, I would trust his ex-girlfriend's cousin's former roommate's dog getting that rumor right versus Eklund. Um, I just found it hilarious because uh, Hughes literally just said yesterday, um, he really has no plans of trading Anderson. Uh, He got quite good offers at the trade deadline for Anderson. Um, So to me, that tells me, I'm not saying he's not going to trade Anderson because he did say, I'm I'm listening, right? Yeah, he um, said that he's not intending to trade him, but he said he wouldn't turn away any opportunity to make his team better. Correct. But how do you make your team better when you get rid of the one guy that the team actually needs and hopes that you develop a guy to be the guy that you just got rid of? Well, you can't expect the team to be better <laughs> now. It's You're looking two, three years down the line. And that's what Hughes has been repeatedly saying. I get that, but future. you're hoping that this guy turns into this guy two or three years down the yeah. line when mm-hmm. I have this guy right now and he's still going to be here two or three years down the line. I think that the math on that is more Anderson's 28 right now. So when Correct. the Canadians yeah. finally get their window open and say, let's say three years, he'll be 30. He's gonna, he'll be 30. 31. Is he still as valuable or as impactful a player then as he is now. That's how, that's the, however, however you have that power forward that you need on your team. 
there until the next power forward is ready to come in. If he if he's not, you know, injured repeatedly. True. So that's the gamble that you would have to take to keep someone like him through the rebuild. Now, he has leadership potential or leadership qualities. So he that would be helpful for the young guys developing. The way he plays his game, he opens up a lot of space. So guys like Suzuki and Caulfield, um, they'll be able to have a little bit more space at an extra half second to make a make a play, which helps their development. Yep. So there's pluses to keeping him. But if you're looking long-term, trading him might be the better way to go. Only if the offer really blows his socks off. And it's going to have to really blow his socks off because like he said, he got pretty good offers at the trade deadline and said no. So, and he has said before he sees Anderson as part of this team. So I think Anderson's one of those players where some team's going to have to massively overpay in order for the Canadians to, uh, to let go of him. Um, But I see your point. I I absolutely see your point as of, Anderson's one of those guys you need on a team that's ready to contend almost now or right now or right now. Uh, and the Montreal Canadians are, but then again, oh, are Gordon and Hughes thinking they're five years away or only two years away. And that's, that's the thing. <laughs> we don't know for sure. Right. Like look at the Rangers, the Rangers turn their team around in what less than three years. Now, I've seen a, a few rumors floating around about what the value is. You talked about the one on Facebook, which yeah. clearly will never happen. Um, but I saw one that was but it's from a legit source. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But this, the one I saw here is from uh, Sam Rosen who covers the Islanders. He mentioned Bovidier and the 13th overall pick. And to me, that sounds kind of realistic in what would have mm-hmm. an offer been. Not that Hughes would, take that but i'm just saying that that sounds like an offer that makes sense is that worth it to the canadians i mean it depends who's on 13th because bovidier the local kid he he can fill that wing spot for a couple years his contract's up you know he's less money but if at that 13th pick you got someone like i don't know uh cutter goatsy available who's a power forward to be or uh, a connor geeky who's another power forward Maybe, maybe they look at that and say, okay, well, our window's in three years. These guys will be ready then. Uh, Bovidier still be around as a veteran by then. Okay. The only thing I find with prior forward prospects is they're very hit or miss and it takes time and they're very hit or miss. If you don't develop them properly, Michael McCarron, for example, if you don't develop them properly, they don't turn out. That's right. (laughs) At all. Right. And they don't have to be at top of the draft either because Anderson was nope. a fourth round pick. Nope. They, oh, I, I, I personally, I think most of your power forwards are in the lower part of the draft anyway, because they're not flashy. A power forward's not, he's north south. He uses his speed and size to put the puck on the net and put it in the net. And power forwards are streaky, just like Anderson, right? Like they're, they're, they'll yep. be hot for four or five games and cold for 10. But that's just the way a power forward works. Um, but during those 10 that they, they're not producing, they're still forechecking. They're still getting Correct. pucks. They're, they're uh, still doing their guys. job. Yeah. They're still doing their job. The only issue I have with Anderson is his passing is very subpar. 
and that's he passes. And that, but that's what hurts them on the line with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield. Because they need their power forward to be able to uh, – they need a Max Pacioretty-type player with the Josh Anderson power forward Style. skill set. Yeah. That's what they need. Yeah. Um, you know, like as like uh, Grant McKaig's favorite guy, Slavoski, who's on some, on some recent drafts I've seen have dropped to three. Uh, just throwing that out there. I've seen him. Um, I've seen him at six on a couple. Yeah. So he, he uh, don't get me wrong. Top six player. He's going to make the NHL. He's going to be a top six player. Yep. He's going to, yep. you know, he's going to score a goal. He's going to get points. He's going to be a good NHL player, but he doesn't pass from what I've read. And from what I have seen, he likes to keep the puck. So he's basically a Josh Anderson clone. So Montreal picking him up could do what you say. You know what I mean? We got this guy. We can get rid of him. But you still can't get rid of Anderson because he's – even though this guy at 6'4 can probably step in the NHL, is he going to be ready for the NHL? That, that's the question. Well, right? do you really care if they, if they are this – like if he's able to play this year, sure. Uh, you don't care where the team finishes. You just want to be competitive. But you also don't want to stunt his development. That's what True. that's what I'm saying. And, right? and, and so, that's the biggest part right there. And that's the biggest part. So, but then again, if he's just an Anderson clone, why are we drafted him when we don't need him right now? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I'm just could, trying to throw it out there. Like, yeah, if you could use Anderson to trade up to get him, I think that fits with the basic age group of the core that they have. So that would be the only reasoning behind. But would they want to do that? If say they picked Shane Wright first overall, that's just, I'm just throwing it out there. This, some name that I'll just throw it some name that they're probably never going to pick Shane Wright. Some random, random name. So say they pick Shane Wright. Do you want to trade up to try to get a winger or do you want to trade up to try to get one of the right-handed defensemen? See that for me, you trade up and try to get Nemec or, uh, Yurisek, yeah, because you need right-handed defensemen, and them two are probably going to be some of the very good defensemen. Like, and, and they're expected as well to be top pairing defensemen, and correct. that's that's something the Canadians do need. I think that would be more impactful than then, then a winger trading up and then getting. I'm don't get me wrong. If they yeah. get Wright and uh, Solowski, great, good job. However, if they got Wright and say Nemec. Perfect. Then you just won the draft. You basically just won the draft. Yeah. Just, yeah. just, you could trade the rest of your picks away and walk away from the table. You may have to just <laughs> to get to that point to get, to get to a year a second. But now. if you can get a first round picks, if you can get a top 10 first round pick with an Anderson, I trade him. Of course, depending on the player. Where that, that you're, yeah. I mean, like I say, if you have a chance to get Yerchek or Nemec with trading Anderson, I do it in a heartbeat in a heartbeat. I I agree that that would probably be the more impactful uh, move to make. Cause like you said, they need those types of defensemen. And if you have a defenseman who plays 25 to 30 minutes a game that moves the puck, like those guys, that would have a much larger effect overall than uh, a power forward who plays 17 minutes. Yeah. And I mean, your offense starts with the defense, so that's right. 
if you don't in Montreal's issues, they don't have that defenseman that can jumpstart the offense. Sorry, Petrie, but you're hit or miss when it comes to that. So he's more a puck carrier than a puck distributor. Correct. Yeah. And uh, they need a guy who can get the puck out of the defensive zone, bring it into the offensive zone, set up the the play or the cycle or whatever, and then get it going. So, so, it, but I'm, I'm going to go back to it. Hughes has said that it's going to be a busy summer. So I fully expect to see a couple more trades happen. And one of them might even be on the draft floor. Like Anderson, for instance, might be that guy they move on the draft floor. I, I'm looking at Jeff Petrie. I think Jeff Petrie is the guy they move on the draft floor, but might be the week before. I remember being at a draft that we thought Petrietti was going to get moved on the draft floor. And he was, and but then it, he was kind of was, but then he said, no, I don't want to go there. And then, <laughs> and then LA so, was so it, SOL. Yeah. So, um, but right. I wouldn't be shocked if anyone's traded, to be honest with you, with, with well, this outside, new management yeah. team. I wouldn't be shocked. Outside no of the youth core. Be... Oh, I, yes. If I, I mean, of the veterans or like Anderson price, anyone, Petrie Edmondson, anyone like that, it wouldn't shock me if they, if they were moved. And I mean, Suzuki Caulfield and Romanov, I can see them being traded for, you know, like if someone calls, you know, like Holland calls and says, Hey, I'm going to give you dry sidle, but I need this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I want Romanov Caulfield and Anderson done. Not that it's ever going to happen, but <laughs> I, I would do that trade. And then dry settle becomes a bum in Montreal and everyone hates. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's how it works. <clears throat> and there's to finish off the show. Uh, there's one other player who's hanging out in Montreal that the Canadians fans are dying to see. And that's PK Subin. Is he there for the, for the uh, children's charity? hospital charity thing there yeah for a a couple of weeks anyway he's gonna do his training he's gonna do a little bit of charity work and i know a lot of of people want him signed again he's a right-handed defenseman uh yeah i don't i I don't know i don't know if that's a fit especially with gallagher back when he played for that other team he played for montreal i think he played for montreal maybe maybe if he was still that pk suban or even the PK at the end of his time in Nashville. Maybe, but not the PK now. No. If you sign him, basically what you're doing is you're saying, Baron, you're moving to the AHL and we're going to leave you there all year. Yeah. Which I wouldn't be against, but at the same time, if you're forcing yourself to do it no matter what, I don't think that's the best way to go. Is PK a free agent? Yep. League minimum contract, baby. I would take him on league minimum. But if you're getting PK Subban, you're basically saying we want to tank because he doesn't score any points anymore and he's terrible defensively. So, so if you, if they you basically got Dom Ducharme, Jeff Petrie is what you got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if they do sign him, would that mean that the Canadians really do win the Weber Subban trade because they've gotten they've gotten assets in return for Weber? And PK's back. I guess. I thought they wanted to begin with, but whatever. <laughs> They're always going to lose that trade because everybody hates the team for trading PK and then re-signing him. 
Let's get Brendan Kelly on the show. Get his thoughts. I tried. He's he's not he no. <laughs> Is it me? He still has me blocked, so I could can't be me. I'm pretty sure it's you. <laughs> I'm sorry if I tried to put some common sense into his articles. <laughs> that's never going to happen. But uh, anyway, the- I think that's pretty much it for the show. You got All any right. final thoughts? Uh, nope. Uh, liftoffapparel.ca, 15% off if you use the code unfiltered. So if you go to workout, if you like to work out, if you want really. Uh, for any women that listen to us they have really good women's clothing men's clothing is good too don't get me wrong but uh it's a lot more women's clothing um it's like lululemon only not expensive that's that's what that's what my wife tells me it's the kirkland brand of workout gear actually it's what my it's what my daughter tells me because she wears it all the time but so right on uh and uh for me, I want to just pass on that we do now have a merch store. It's uh, Streamlabs slash Habs Unfiltered. Uh, tons of really, uh, really good items. Um, the hats are amazing. I'm wearing one now. Um, they're, they're just unbelievable. Um, you look like a gangster. <laughs> it's the beard. It's definitely the beard. So we have that. And... We want to remind everyone that we have our draft party coming up in Montreal in a couple of weeks uh, on the 9th of July. Meet us at uh, McLean's Pub. Everyone's welcome. We're going to have swag to give away, T-shirts, hats, the whole nine yards. We're going to give all that stuff away. We're going to hang out. You can pick our brains and you can just have a good time. Uh, and that that's pretty much it. So to our listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for interacting. Uh, and remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.